0: Hey, hello everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to From the Hacks Waking Up with the Scotties Wednesday edition. On today's episode, I chat with Beth Peterson, whose team is making their first appearance at the Scotties. Then we recap Tuesday's action from the Scotties in Calgary. And I'll finish off by chatting with Elaine Dag Jackson, who is the national coach and program manager for the women's program at Curling Canada. My first guest today is Beth Peterson, who is skipping at her first Scotties this year as wildcard team number three. Beth and I discuss her week so far, we discuss skipping at the Scotties while pregnant, and we look ahead to the remainder of the week for her and her team. Beth, as I've been asking each of my guests on the Waking Up with the Scotty series, what is your go-to beverage to get your day started in the morning?
1: Just a nice black coffee. Yeah, pretty simple. Uh, my parents always drink their coffee black, so I have always drank my coffee black, so i um, and- Fortunately, the coffee in the hotel is not ideal, um, but we have been ordering in from Starbucks and one of our teammates brought an espresso machine, so that's what we've been utilizing.
0: Now, a lot has been made this week about Rachel home and curling while eight months pregnant. What many people may not realize is that you're also expecting, although you're not nearly as far along in your pregnancy as Rachel, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you how you're doing.
1: Yeah, I'm actually feeling really good. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised with how I'm feeling so far. Um, I am starting to notice a little bit kind of as the day goes on getting a little bigger. So um, kind of as the length of the game goes on and the time of day, um, I'm noticing it a little bit more in my slide, but it's not too much of a bothersome. I feel like I'm feeling well and still playing well enough. Um, So, yeah, I've been pretty happy so far.
0: If you're seeing slight changes from day to day, uh, Beth, I'm wondering if it does force you to adjust your delivery a little during the week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm obviously keeping an eye on it, but uh, obviously there's much I can do. Um, I'm pretty low in my slide and it doesn't seem to be affecting it too much. And I mean, I've had, I've had some rough shots, but I'm going to chalk that up to uh, lack of play this year instead of the pregnancy.
0: Now, when we spoke before the Scotties, you mentioned that one of the concerns you had going into the Scotties is how long it would take for your team to shake off the rust relative to the other teams in the field. How has it felt so far this week, and do you feel the rust is mostly gone by now?
1: Yeah, I think we've improved with each game, um, probably with the exception of the Nova Scotia game, unfortunately. Um, I actually felt really comfortable in the beginning. Um, I would say little to no rest. Um, the percentages don't always show exactly what's going on and same with the scoreboard and I felt like I really had a handle on it um the first three games or so um and then unfortunately did not our team as a whole didn't really have a great game against Nova Scotia um and it was just kind of one of those games but yeah you know I was quite shocked to see how comfortable I was immediately um I mean we got two practices in here and then a game a good game against UConn and I feel like I've been really comfortable with it um maybe a little bit more rest on the on the line calling and the ice reading I would say as opposed to the throwing and shot making
0: your team has come up in conversations I've had with people both inside and outside the bubble this week and the consensus seems to be that your team has deserved a better fate than your two and three record right now as we speak do you also feel like your record does not reflect the way you've been playing so far
1: we 100% think that um I think easily again I'll chalk that Nova Scotia came up to a deserved loss um but I think we could easily be four and one to be honest um I thought we gave Canada a really good game and then I thought we uh, played them in a couple ends and Carrie being Carrie made a few key shots and uh turned the game around a little bit but you know made her throw against the loss and the last end and she made it and hats off to her and same with our home and game you know it it looked you look just look at the scoreboard it looks like they kind of killed us but that's not really the the story of what happened we had a really good game against them and it just didn't come our way so yeah we're really happy with our play obviously we would be more ecstatic to be four and one but um, we're just taking each game day by day and we know we've been in every game so we're just going to continue with that and I think we kind of have our fate in our own hands to get to the championship pool and then It is everything else from there that will take it if we get into the championship pool game by game and see what happens.
0: Now, when we spoke a few weeks ago, you mentioned that your team wore their emotions on your sleeves and that you smile a lot, but you also don't hide your frustrations. I'm just wondering if you feel like you've been able to smile a little more than frown so far this week.
1: Uh, Yeah, (laughs) shockingly. Our sports psych thought I was lying. He said that I've been uh, pretty content. He thought I was lying about how angry I get. But, you know, I think that just... I think that we haven't, again, we haven't been playing well. It's just the results aren't kind of coming the way we wanted. But, and I mean, we're up there. We're wearing some beautiful jackets with a wild card logo on it and a Manitoba crest and playing with some of our best friends. So the smiles come easily, to be honest. Last night, there was some frustration, I won't lie, but uh, we knew it was a really big game. And I think emotions were heightened a little bit, um, knowing how important that game was. So, I mean, I don't think... (laughs) We got the win, luckily, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, the smiles have been coming pretty easily out there with the girls and seeing the other teams out there. And yeah, it's been it's been a blast so far.
0: And finally, uh, and finally, Beth, what's the ice been like this week? Have they managed to keep it fairly consistent?
1: It was a huge adjustment from our practices to the first game. It was <laughs> black and white, different pretty much. So um, that was a big adjustment, which is why I think all percentages in that first draw weren't ideal. Um, we ended up. Getting a pretty good handle on it, which is probably why we got the win but um otherwise it's been great honestly um the speed's been the exact same and lasted throughout the entire ten ends and um yeah, it's been very very consistent throughout um with the exception yesterday of kind of yesterday we saw the first few picks um not sure if it was a hair broom or carbon fibers from the carpet, but uh yeah, yesterday was the first time we saw picks, but otherwise it's been really consistent, we've been really happy with it and pretty comfortable.
0: It was a record-breaking day at the 2021 Scotties in Draw 10. Jennifer Jones and Team Manitoba defeated Newfoundland and Labrador by a score of six to five. It was the 153rd career win for Jennifer Jones at the Scotties, breaking the record of six-time Scotties champion Colleen Jones of Nova Scotia. After the record-breaking win, Jones reflected on why that record is important to her.
1: It de- it definitely means something to me, and um, as, as you kind of approach the end of your career, you just just to be remembered for. for for doing something that you love is pretty remarkable. And my kids, my kids do look at it. There's a book with my name in it with some records and they're all, they're very proud of me. So I I hope if anything, it just shows them that if you work hard, that dreams are possible. And I just want them to have the best possible life. And if this can have any impact on that, then it's absolutely incredible. And I'm really, really proud to be on the ice with these girls today. I I forgot that we were going to set the record today. So it was kind of cool. And the sign went up.
0: In other draw ten action, Team New Brunswick got into the win column for the first time, defeating Saskatchewan by scoring two points in the tenth for a seven to six victory. While Quebec moved to four and one despite struggling late in a seven to five win over Nunavut. And finally, in draw ten, BC got their second consecutive win and moved to two and three with a seven to five win over Wildcard Team Flurry. After the game, BC skip Corinne Brown reflected on the importance of a hit and cross house roll she made early in the game that froze to a Team Flurry rock, keeping her team from giving up a big score.
1: Yeah, I think that was probably the the best shot I made of the game. I think that really saved us. Uh, We were looking at giving up three, maybe four, depending if I if I missed that. So yeah, that's definitely saved us.
2: Um, Yeah, uh, obviously the triple looks really nice, but I think something as precise as that is probably what uh, won us this game.
0: Draw 11 saw two teams remain unbeaten, starting with Team Holman of Ontario, who defeated Northern Ontario by a score of 10-3. to After the game, Rachel Holman spoke about how her team, and all the teams for that matter, are starting to battle a little fatigue.
2: Um, I think coming into this, everyone's worried about fatigue. <laughs> uh, we haven't had any long events to, to train and prepare for, and obviously we can't train the same way that we normally would. Um, so I think that's on everyone's mind. and um, Yeah, it schedule is what it is and um, we've prepared as much as we can to, to be
0: as refreshed and <laughs> as uh, energetic at the end of that week as we can be. Team Canada also remained unbeaten at 5-0, and defeating Nova Scotia by a score of 8-3. to After the game, Val Sweeting also spoke about fatigue and about how she tried to prepare for the physical toll of the Scotties at a time where it was more difficult to prepare than in any other season.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling really well. Um, That was a good thing about the downtime. We all had a lot of time to get in really good shape and uh, just trying to make the most of it out there. The good thing about Heather being uh, close to me is that we did, there was a few days where I was able to train before coming here. So I did do a lot of sweeping for her, um, mostly just cleaning because she still just nailed that button. Oh, man. But yeah, no, it's good. So I have definitely, that was one of the biggest concerns was injury coming in. But uh, yeah, just trying to stay on top of it because the schedule does get a little more hectic um, if we make it through to the championship round. So just resting and doing what we can, but otherwise feeling really good out there right now.
0: Also in draw 11, wildcard team Peterson even the record at 3-3 three and three with a 5-4 to four win over wildcard team Zacharias while Team Alberta avoided a third straight loss and improved their record to 4-2 and two with an 8-3 to three win over the Northwest Territories. After the game, Kid Cameron and Laura Walker were asked if they were relieved to get that fourth win as the Scotties was starting to resemble last year's event where the team had also won their first three games before losing their final four round-robin games to miss the championship pool.
2: You know, we were just... Looking at our play right now there's there was room for improvement after yesterday, and that 's kind of where the focus was last night and what we wanted to bring in today i don 't think we necessarily were you know dwelling on the past or putting that in the back of our mind. I think we just we just wanted to play better today
1: yeah i mean um, I, like I said like she said, we have room for improvement this is a lot of a different feeling we this was our we, we have basically a new teammate this this was our sixth game together as a team and our sixth game together in a year so expecting too much of ourselves early I I think was not the right thing to do and I think we uh, just wanted to get better with every game and uh, we didn't put any emphasis on the outcome we just knew if we did the right things and followed the process the wins were going to come and uh, yes it feels good to get that fourth win it's it's so elusive that everyone keeps talking about (laughs) but um, (laughs) I I really felt like it was coming anyways
0: In draw 12 on Tuesday evening, Team BC almost threw a shutout, defeating Newfoundland and Labrador by a score of 10-1. to And after the game, Corinne Brown discussed how the team had learned from their experience reaching the championship pool at last year's Scotties.
2: Yeah, we were a few shots here and there away from making that championship, or the... The championship weekend um last year so we really kind of have the hunger to, to get back there so we know uh what we need to do in order to get there now um and our backs are up against the wall a little bit but we know uh we know what's going to take to to go kind of run the table the uh, way out
0: team Nunavut came this close to winning their first game of the scotties only to give up a steal of one in the 10th end giving new brunswick a come from behind a nine to eight victory Meanwhile, wildcard team Flurry moved to 4-2 and two with a 10-6 to six victory over PEI. After the game, Chelsea Carey discussed a three-ender in the seventh end, which was the turning point of the game. We were
2: actually in huge trouble, to be honest. Um, we got a bit of a miscue out of Suzanne and we weren't sure if the double would go. We initially thought it would jam and then we looked at it again and we thought, well, it might go and we might get two, maybe
0: three. And uh, I'd thrown a couple doubles that we really liked the way I threw them, and we weren't getting the results. So finally, we got the broom in the right place and, and managed to make it, which was great. Team Flurry, I've been wearing purple ribbons this week, and third's Lena Negavan explained why they were doing so. They're for uh,
1: Tracy's daughter, Nina, who has a rare form of epilepsy. Uh, so we thought we would wear the ribbons to show support uh, for Tracy and Nina back home. We've been texting with her. She's been watching the games. and. She's been so supportive. We miss her like crazy, but um, like we said, family comes first and we're hoping that Nina's starting to feel better.
0: And finally on Tuesday evening, Team Saskatchewan defeated Quebec by a score of 9-6. After the game, Saskatchewan skip Sherry Anderson was asked if Quebec's aggressive nature may have cost them the game.
2: Yeah, well, I think it might have hurt them in nine because um, myself, I think I would have peeled with the situation the way it was tied up with the hammer if you if you give up a steal it's not the end of the world but to leave the rock when they tried to come around and tap ours back lately it could still get real messy you know there was enough rocks to come so i would have been peeling but i mean she called a pretty good game otherwise um pretty aggressive and they put their rocks in good spots so kudos to them i mean they played really well
0: my final guest today is elaine dag jackson national coach and program manager of the women's program at curling canada we discussed this year's scotties the state of women's curling in canada and we also touch on the 2021 women's worlds that were cancelled a few weeks ago elaine my first question to all of my guests on the uh, waking up with the scotties uh, episodes is what's your go-to beverage in the morning to get yourself off to a good start to your day
2: Well, my beverage of choice is always the same every day. It's uh, two or three cups of Stark's French Roast, which I brew myself in my room with all of the things that I've brought along to
0: a perfect cup. One of the more difficult things about the pandemic for many curlers this season, Elaine, has been the big gap that was created in their lives basically by the lack of curling it has been a very difficult uh, adaptation for many a lot of the top tier curlers have struggled with that throughout the season as someone who spends a good chunk of the year following these teams from event to event how did you go about filling the gap that i'm sure the cancellation of much of the season created in your own life well that's just a super interesting question
2: because that's uh you know, what we thought about a lot as this whole thing was unfolding, but as we look back at what we've been able to accomplish in the months when we haven't been able to get into a personal training situation, it's really been quite astounding how we've kind of pivoted to do uh, other things, and uh, I have to tell you, I've never had so many uh, one-on-one or team meetings with my various national teams over the course of a season as this season and i can say that uh, with respect to my colleagues who i work alongside renee sonnenberg and uh, other coaches that work with me we have spent uh, a lot more time uh, speaking directly with the athletes um, than would have if we were at the competition when they're all busy they're they're playing they're eating they're resting but now they really want to talk about curling so we've had Many uh, online workshops, discussions, team meetings on a whole variety of topics that wouldn't be
0: a priority or we wouldn't have had time to address in a normal season. Elaine, you speak to the players quite a bit in your role as national team coach, and you've been in the bubble since last Wednesday, I believe. How have the players generally been dealing with life inside the bubble?
2: Well, it's very different, as everybody has... Uh, there's never been anything quite like this before, um, but you know, on the whole, everybody is really handling it quite well. Some, of course, better than others, depending on uh, you know various reasons. So, um, you know, it's not it's not a normal Scotties. It, it's definitely something. If you've been here before, be a big difference for the women who haven't been here before. They, you know, they don't know what it's like when you're not in the bubble. So um, I think for the most part, people are handling it uh, quite well. There are some challenges, of course, but, you know, as with all parts of performance and sport, they need to be planned for and managed.
0: Now, the players I spoke to before this, Scott, is expected to be rusty at the start of the week, and there were certainly a few early misses that you would not... See usually at a Scotty's in regular years. Uh, You've been able to see all the games live, Elaine, uh, on site there. Are you getting a sense that the teams have now mostly gotten rid of that early rust? I think we are seeing that. Uh, I think it's it's early in the
2: competition that not quite there yet. Like honestly, the shot making and the tactics are excellent. Like I think better, quite a bit better than we might have um you know there's been some fantastic finesse shots made early in the tournament but I'm not sure if the confidence in the ability to play that game is there you know the shot making's there the, the skills are there the sweeping judgment is there the line calling you know a couple of little um adjustments needed there but I, I think it's more the confidence of, of um the repeated games gonna build over this tournament and it's Bit early for that
0: uh, Elaine how much did the cancellation of so many events this season and the resulting change in routines impact players as they prepare themselves for the important 2021-2022 season I mean typically the top teams reverse engineer their Olympic cycles with key milestones each season I, I'm assuming that one of the blessings in disguise of, of this season is that all the players are much fresher and healthier then it would otherwise be at this point late in the third season of a cycle but i'm i'm also thinking that players will now have to adjust mentally switch their plans around a little bit and their routines which is not always easy for high level athletes well you've addressed uh, all sorts of key components of how to orchestrate the
2: you know the science of performance and you know we're used to seeing it unfold in a certain way with yearly training plan with planned uh, training and competition and, uh, as you know, as everybody knows that uh, curling is very competition heavy as opposed to training heavy. <clears throat> so that, uh, has, has been a real change where you, you take that whole chunk of competition out of the season and you replace something else that you're going to hope is going to prepare you in a similar manner. Well, it's never going to be the same, but it can be different and still successful. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's another blessing in disguise is that uh, coaching and science experts have been able to get involved and help design programs that are going to accelerate the training programs, accelerate the building up of the other skills to make those performances stronger, such as physical skills to prevent injury um, to be able to, you know, sweep more effectively than you could season through training. You know, there's all sorts of components that can be done during this time when there's no competition. But it's a matter of um, engaging the athletes and making sure they're involved in their choices. Uh, they're doing what they feel is imp- is important in you know, providing the analytics and the um, evidence to demonstrate of why these things are important to their personal and team performance. And then, uh, you know, designing a program that will support that. The final component is having
0: the belief and the confidence that your plan is going to work. If the performance of the young teams at the Scotties this week is any indication, Elaine, the future of women's curling in Canada is in good hands. That said, there are many that have long been concerned about the lack of top-end depth in Canadian women's curling compared to the men's side. Is that an ongoing concern at the Curling Canada level as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for sure, we would love all of the top teams to be Canadian teams. Um, but, you know, that's really never been the case in women's curling. Um, we've never had that kind of a position where we were, you know, destined in every world and Olympic championship in women's curling. So so that's just a given. So what we want to do is create an environment in Canada where those that can make their way to the top of those world rankings are really, really good. You know, there, there's no denying there are other uh, excellent world-class teams in the world other than Canada. You know, the, the, the days of Canada thinking that they're going to be dominating everything, uh, it's just not accurate. Um, so, you know, we're okay with uh, where we are. Sure, we'd like to have more teams, but we know that we've got so many teams at uh, the senior level right now and at the next-gen level that are – you know, so close, equal to each other that, um, you know, there's really not that much difference except in their ability to get into those events.
0: One of the things that this Scotties has done is introduce Canadian curling fans to some of the top young women's teams and players in Canada. As a national team coach, how exciting has it been for you to watch Team Saint-Georges, Team Zacharias, Team Peterson and others getting a chance to compete in their first Scotties this week and not look out of place at all? Well, I think this is a unique and uh,
2: amazing privilege and opportunity for those young teams to be able to get to a SCA in this kind of a situation where, you know, they didn't have to win their province in some cases to get here, and yet they still have the full experience of playing this. exceedingly challenging and exciting environment here at the bodies. There's just nothing like playing your first Scotties. So to be able to have that opportunity at a very young age is incredible. Um, I think those young teams are possibly more prepared or more well-prepared than teams of years gone by because, as previously mentioned, we do have more of a in-depth, you know, scientific evidence-based training program that uh, is rolled out across the country to next gen teams. And it is uh, very successful. The teams are super excited to be a part of this training ground and they have access to, you know, in addition to their wonderful local team coaches, they have the resources beyond what that next gen team would have had in years gone by. You know, you you just never had that kind of sport science around you or, access to equipment and analytics and uh, that kind of thing. So I think the opportunity of those young women being here and being able to compete and getting those games under their belt is going to help them um, accelerated growth and accelerated uh, ability to feel really comfortable on this kind of a
0: stage. Elaine, can you shed any light on what direction the World Curling Federation might be leaning when it comes to rescheduling the Women's World Championships, which were cancelled a couple of weeks ago?
2: Well, I know that uh, the World Curling Federation is exceedingly motivated to make something happen. Uh, They, you know, they were devastated to cancel that Worlds in Switzerland But, you know, in terms of saying cancel, I think there's full intention to stage something. It's it's just a matter of when and where. And uh, I I know they're very motivated to make that happen. It is very important to get those teams qualified. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, something's coming up.
0: And finally, Elaine, do you foresee any scenario where the winner of the Scotties may not be the team that represents Canada at the Women's Worlds or whatever qualifying event replaces it, especially if that event takes place several months following the Scotties? Typically, the Women's Worlds are a couple of weeks after the Scotties, which makes it much easier for a team to maintain their mojo or their groove, as it were, than if the event is played some six months after the Scotties.
2: Yeah, so that's a pretty hard question to answer because it hasn't even been discussed that you know, at this Curling Canada senior management level. Um, of course, we're always having conversations at the high performance um, circle of all the different things that are possible, but that is one uh, that hasn't been discussed or it's certainly not in a detailed manner. So um, I don't think
0: that uh, I can really answer that question or give you anything. <laughs> And that does it for today's episode of Waking Up with the Scotties. Join us tomorrow for more recaps, insights, and interviews from the 2021 Scotties.